for those of you who don't know me, my name is Michael, and I am one of the staff members here at Sound City Bible Church. Uh, yeah, woo! Yeah, I'm excited about it, too. <laughs> um, for those of you who uh, may be visiting for the first time or may have only visited a couple times, we want to extend a special welcome to you, and we are glad that you are here. Um, we hope that you keep coming back and that uh, you have a good time today as well. Um, today is also uh, our third birthday, for those who do not know. Our very first third birthday, and we are excited about it. Um, real quickly, for those of you who may be looking to get connected, there are a few ways that you could do that. On the way in, you should have received a little weekly handout with some information about the church. In there is a little insert um, that you could fill out your information on and drop it in the buckets as they come around at the end for collections, or for collections, not collections, hopefully, uh, for tithes and offering. Uh, you could just drop it in that bucket and we'll get back to one of the staff members. Um, some other ways that you can reach us or you can message us on Facebook or you can shoot us a text to our number, which I believe should be, oh, it's not on the screen, but it's, it's our church's phone number. You can just text it and that will get to one of us. Uh, lastly, one of the, the best ways to get connected is just to head right out there to connect us and we'll have one of our staff members, Myung, and some other volunteers out there that would just love to meet you and say hi and help get you connected in, in various ways. Um, we also wanted to let you guys know that in typical fashion, with birthdays, we do have a gift for you all. So if you guys want to take a look under your seats, you might find some chewing gum, and it has nothing to do with what I'm about to tell you. Um, <laughs> we are excited to introduce you guys to our new Sound City app. We have an app for mobile phones that we're very excited about. Yeah, you guys can get excited about it, too. Um, and we wanted to show you what that looks like. So to do that, we actually took a screenshot from Pete's phone on what the app is going to look like. So this is... I, I don't know why he used that as his background, but... Uh, <laughs> The app is called My Church, and it looks like that, so you could find that in the App Store by going to My Church. Uh, but there are two other quicker ways which you could also get it, and that is either by going to our website at scbc.do slash app. That will take you right to a webpage with two direct links to download it for iPhone and Android. Um, or you can text the same number that we have for text to give, 77977. You can text the word Sound City, one word, space app. And that will text you back a direct link to download the app as well, whether, again, whether you're on Android or iPhone. I just want to give you guys a quick overview of what the app is and how you could use it and help you get a little more familiar with it as well. So on the main screen, you're going to see a couple of windows. There's a welcome window, which is going to take you to a lot of general resources, information about the church, information about our uh, various ministries, um, there's also a little connect button that you'll see right there in the middle. That's going to let you get connected uh, to serving if you'd like, sign up for things like connect group, look at information about community groups and all sorts of things like that. And then the last button that you'll see at the bottom there is to give, and that will obviously uh, take you to the module where you can give. Um, also at the bottom, there are a couple of smaller buttons. Um, one of those, the second one, is going to be media. And if you were to click that, that would take you to a page that's going to give you two options. It'll either let you go straight to the blog, which gives you all the information, any blog posts we put out on various topics. It also lets you uh, access the at-a-glance, the weekly messages that we send out. So uh, you could always, if you were wondering what was going on, you could always head to that portion of the app and get caught up really quickly. Um, the other one uh, right below that is going to be sermons, and that will let you, instead of having to go to the website, you could just click that right in the app and have access to any of the sermons. Maybe you missed church one week or you wanted to get ca uh, caught up on the sermon before community group. You have that option now to just go right in the app, play it from right there, and it should be much easier for you. Uh, the last thing I wanted to update you guys about is the give module. Now, when you click give in the app, it will actually bring you to a separate web page um, outside of the app. And the reason that we were told that this is is because in-app uh, transactions from within the app uh, are charged, they take, Apple takes 30% out of it. And we want you guys to be able to give all your money to the church and not have almost a third of it be taking away, taken away for whatever reason. Um, so with that being said, that's, that's pretty much an overview of the app. We hope that you guys will get it. Don't download it and start playing in it now. Uh, we want you guys to be able to listen to the sermon and, and hear from that. Yeah, Pastor Aaron's really excited about that. Plus, uh, most of you don't get service in here anyway, so you probably can't download it, so it's fine. Um, 
Also, with regards to our birthday, I wanted to let you guys know that we will have some cake and cupcakes out after service. Uh, The 9 a.m. had leftovers. So please, please eat their their leftovers and the new cake and cupcakes because my wife would be very upset if I took any of that home. So please help me by, by eating that out there. With that being said, I would like to invite Pastor Aaron up, uh, and he will continue um, and lead us through his sermon on Colossians. All right. Thanks, brother. Well, happy birthday, Sound City Bible Church. How are you guys doing today? You good? Speaking, speaking of the cake, uh, last year, some of you, you may remember, uh, Michael went and picked up 300 cupcakes, and somewhere in the ordering process, when he said, write, happy birthday, Sound City, what the person on the phone heard was happy birthday, Sand City. And so we had 300 cupcakes with the wrong church name on it. And we thought our options were just eat them or change the church's name. And uh, we opted to just eat them. This year, Michael said when he went, he stayed there and watched them write it on the cake so that they got it right. So thank you for going above and beyond uh, the call of duty this year, brother. Thank you for that. It is our birthday, and uh, I want to take a few minutes. Uh, if you're new, one of the things you should know about us is we really value the Word of God. We value the Scriptures, uh, and we, we love to just go through, generally speaking, books of the Bible— And uh, we're right now kind of in the middle of the Gospel of John. We're about five chapters or so into the Gospel of John. And we'll be spending the majority of our time together in 2018 on Sundays, just going through the Gospel of John. But seeing as it is our birthday and, and seeing as Psalm 75 says that we recount your wondrous deeds... We thought it would be appropriate to just take a few minutes today before we dive into this and really uh, unpack some of the wondrous deeds that God has done. We want to celebrate God's grace because God has been exceedingly good to us as a church family. Do I get an amen from anybody on that this morning? And, and I'll just say this, you know, we're, I'm going to talk about Sound City, but it's really not about Sound City Bible Church. It's about Jesus and it's about his goodness and his grace. You know, Jesus said, I will build my church. He did not say, you will build my church. And he did not say, I will build your church. He said, I will build my church. And these last three years as a church family have done nothing for me but prove that Jesus is faithful and true to his word. And for those of you, maybe a lot of you, many of you have joined up more recently in the last few years, but you don't maybe know the full history of the backstory. I'm not going to get into all of that, but suffice to say, we are not a new church plant. We are a church replant that was birthed out of a very painful year, a very painful time that actually ended up with the closing of another church and the launch of our church. And so as I look back over these, these last three years, I would say that the first year, 2015, really was just a year of recovery. We had to reset a lot of foundations. We had to relearn who we are as a church body, as a church family, and and really uh, kind of honestly just recover and kind of catch our breath. Year two, I would categorize as kind of the new normal. We had to learn, okay, what does it look like to do life, to do ministry, to do ministry, all these different things as a new normal. And then just about the time we thought we knew what normal looked like, guess what we had to do? We had to move. That's right. And here we are uh, in Linwood High School. We had to move out of our facility that we were at in Shoreline. And so this last year, we've finally kind of had a year of, of more stability, but there's even been transition, which I'll talk about more in a minute. But I would say this last year has been the year of kind of getting going. I almost, would, I almost would categorize it as the year of trying some things and seeing what works. You know, toddlers, they, they try things, do they not? And we as a church, we've been a toddler. We've been, we've been grabbing things off the shelf and putting things in our mouth and experimenting and asking questions like, all right, God, is this what we're supposed to do? And God's like, no, not that. And yes, this. And we're kind of a toddler church. And I feel like that's been this last year of just really uh, trying some different things. And it wasn't really until these last few weeks that I sat down and, and kind of started just looking back over the last calendar year, looking over the announcements that we've done, looking at the events we've done, and realizing, man, we really have tried a lot of things. And so let's just take a really quick trip down memory lane. We, I'll start with our, our sermons, because again, as, as people who value the Word of God, uh, we did seven different sermon series in 2017, we started the year with that ever so chipper and upbeat book, Judges, and 
we survived, praise God. Uh, but I believe that God used that to really build us uh, in, our, in our commitment to persevere, to remain faithful no matter what everyone else in culture is doing. We also did the book of Ruth, which as you'll remember, the book of Ruth happens during the period of Judges. And so it was a nice reprieve from kind of the overall heaviness of that book. And you might also remember that during our Ruth series, our short Ruth series, Pastor Doug, Pastor Doug Freiberg preached literally his best sermon ever. It was also his first sermon ever, but it was phenomenal nonetheless. And uh, he doesn't know this, but I put him on the calendar for May again. So we'll see how that goes. We also did a short series on the resurrection leading up to Easter, how that changes everything. We did our Partners in the Gospel series. My family uh, took a bit of a vacation over the summer. We invited in three different friends, uh, one from Colorado, who's a previous uh, ministry colleague of Pastor Shane. He came out and preached. Uh, My good friend, Pastor Ryan, from up at Foundation Church in Everett, who they're also celebrating their third birthday today. We've been texting this morning. And uh, uh, Phil McCallum from Evergreen Church in Bothell all came and served us really, really well. We did a spiritual gifts sermon series, kind of a topical one focused on the fact that you've been given gifts by God and you're called by God to put those gifts to use in your life, in our church family. We obviously launched into the Gospel of John and then we did Advent with friends. And so thank you for sharing me with those other churches. I I have heard lots and lots of good feedback uh, on those pastors that came and served our church well. And and it was a, a real joy to get to do that. Here's the thing that I realized between the Partners series and the Advent with Friends series, and back in March when Darren Larson from Imprint Church came and preached, and in September when Dave Harvey, the director of the Sojourn Network, came and preached, we had eight different guest preachers come and serve our church family this last year. And, and that's huge. Um, I know pastors, I know preachers who don't ever get a break from preaching maybe eight times in five years. So for me, I feel very, as a preacher, I feel very blessed to not only have other elders who can step in and serve us well in the pulpit, to have so many friends from other churches come in and serve us well, not only to give me a break, but to remind us that we're not the only show in town and we're part of something much bigger than just Sound City Bible Church. Amen? We're part of the kingdom of God and this this family, this group of of churches and, and disciples and believers who call on the name of Jesus. I feel like like we are spoiled as a church. And I'm excited here at the end of the service to announce to you our first guest preacher already lined up here in just a few weeks coming, uh, and I'll tell you more about that at the end of the service. We invested in our church health pretty heavily this last year. We did a church health survey back in February. Thank you for all who participated in that. Uh, we saw that we were strong in some areas of relationship and community. We were strong in the area of, of, of living out of our values. Uh, we saw that we really needed to grow in helping people understand their spiritual gifts, which is one of the reasons that we decided to do that sermon series. Uh, we also saw kind of an interesting conflicting report. The, one of the biggest kind of head scratchers from the survey was 95% plus of you said that sharing the gospel with people as individuals is really, really, really important. And it was somewhere in the neighborhood of 30% of you had shared the gospel with someone. And so we'll come back to that in a few minutes, but that's a, a significant area where we need to grow as a church, as individuals sharing the gospel with people. We officially joined the Sojourn Network in March, and uh, I mentioned Dave Harvey came out and served us by preaching. He also met with us a couple of times throughout the year. And here's the thing. You don't know this. Maybe you knew, but it's hard to get all this information out without overwhelming you. But the finances that we contributed as a church uh, to the Sojourn Network helped plant 10 new churches in the year 2017. And there are 10 more already queued up to go out in 2018 with more assessments on the way. Praise God that we get to be involved in that, right? And, and all around the nation, and that's not including the ones that just have adopted in that were already going. 10 brand new church plants last year, 10 more, probably more, maybe more like 15 or 20 coming this year because in part of the financial contributions that we're able to make. We saw... Um, Uh, Just another example of the ways that this network has has benefited us. There was a church in Beaumont, Texas, right by Houston, that was hit so hard with the hurricane, uh, Hurricane uh, Harvey. And and what a lot of experts call those types of events, they call it an organization extinction event. 
This is a young church, a new church. They have about, I believe at the time, 75 to 80 people. And we were able to, as a church, give, you know, half a month's worth of operating expenses because they didn't meet for like three weeks. They couldn't even have worship services. So thank you again for your financial generosity that we could actually help uh, minister grace and help uh, keep a church afloat during an incredibly difficult time for them. And actually we have John sitting right over there. He's actually jumped into the Sojourn Network and he's helping draft up a literally a disaster relief plan for the entire network so that, you know, when, when the next uh, national disaster or something like that happens, we as a network can help love and serve and support uh, each other. And a member of our church is helping kind of lead the way on that. So the participation in the network not only is beneficial to us, but we're able to help and serve too. Isn't that amazing? Uh, We officially put in place our crisis accountability team or the affectionately known CAT uh, they wanted me to not call them the fat cats, but it's the cat. Um, we got a photo of them. We met this summer. This is a group of other pastors in the area who serve as friends and accountability partners for us as an elder team, that they can step in and provide wisdom and accountability. And, and even if we as an elder team are struggling or have conflict or something, we can call them in to help serve us. And again, throughout the year, all three of those men, Phil and Bubba and Darren, they all came over and, and preached. So you had an opportunity not only to hear from them directly, but hopefully even meet them. We started something called Identity Groups. Uh, Most simply put, Identity Groups is a small group uh, to help people, men and women, who are just stuck or struggling in any way to take some extra time to really talk through what does it mean to have our identity in Christ. And we did two runs of that this year in April and in September. uh, I believe it was 25 total participants and 10 leaders were involved in that ministry. We're taking a break this quarter, but hopefully after Easter, we'll do another run of that. Uh, And so if you're someone who just kind of needs some of that extra care or support or love or just a time to be able to kind of wrestle through things, that's what's going on. And I also mentioned Counselor Chris. Now, Counselor Chris is not a member of our church. He is an elder at his church um, down in Seattle, but he is a professional biblical counselor and someone who we have partnered with over these last few years. You know, we're a smaller team, a smaller staff, and and a smaller pastoral team. And, and, And sometimes when people are just going through struggles in life, it's nice to have someone who is a professional, who's been trained, who shares our same value and our same uh, theology to kind of come alongside and help serve and support. And so Counselor Chris, we've actually, again, because of your generosity, we've been able to provide financial support for his ministry, the Polis Recovery Project, and so that he can charge reduced rates and Pastor Shane started serving on the board of Polis Recovery Project. So there's a high degree of collaboration and relationship to help us in the area of church health. I'm not done. We're just getting started. Kids ministry. Kids, I am incredibly excited to announce we have 98 adult volunteers and maybe even more exciting for me, 20 of our youth are involved in kids ministry serving back there. So that's amazing, right? Uh, Click to that slide. We had a, a recent Christmas party for our, uh, our folks that are serving. And, and for us, this is an incredible ministry opportunity because these little heathens, I mean, these children, they, they need the gospel of Jesus. They need to hear the good news of Jesus. And so thank you for all who are serving. We have an over 50% serve rate of the families being served by kids ministry, over 50% of those families are involved in contributing. And that also means a lot of you grandparents or people who are not married or, or, or you know, couples without kids yet, you're also serving and carrying a lot of the load. So thank you for that. We switched to a grade-based system, which has just made everyone's life a lot more easy and simple. But maybe most exciting of all, three of our kids have got baptized this last year by professing faith in Jesus. So praise God for that. Amen. Our student ministry, we had a summer camp with 37 students in attendance. That was a part a partnership between us and Cross and Crown Church in the U District. And of that, we saw two students give their lives to Jesus at camp and one get baptized. So praise Jesus for that as well. Amen. Also, I've got a, a few photos. They did, we and uh, Cross and Crown, they did an overnighter. That was one of our, I don't remember whose 
just terrible idea that was. Uh, but it was our biggest outreach event ever. 45 students between the two churches showed up and maybe most importantly, zero leader fatalities. That was amazing. They stayed up all night. They played laser tag. They shared the gospel. They had a dance party. Uh, you'll also notice there's a big pile of socks in the corner there. Uh, one of our student leaders, Lori, had the brilliant idea. Why don't we get all the kids together in our offices? We'll ball up a bunch of socks. The kids bring them. We will throw them at each other and call it a snowball fight. And then when we're done, we'll donate the socks to the homeless. And 137 pairs of socks were brought in by our student ministry. I'm like, is that not the most youth-tastic thing you've ever heard to like snowball fight and then serve the homeless? I just love that. That is a brilliant idea. Uh, We really tried to uh, step up our game in outreach and evangelism this year, uh, starting with the idea of international missions. So in February, we sent our first team of people to Mexico with a partner ministry that um, I actually visited there when I was 17 years old. And so now here we are many years later, uh, going back and participating there. Pastor Doug and his wife have been going there for over a decade. We're going to send a group of people here in about a month uh, to go, including one of my daughters is going to get to go this time, to go share Jesus' love there. We prayed over Sam and Shushan, who are are members of our church, uh, and they are native Armenians, and so they went to their home country of Armenia to help bolster support for pastors, to help raise up leaders, to help uh, just do ministry, and so we've been involved with them. And also, Kyle and I, went to Uganda to kind of see one of our our ministries. We have a a family in our church that started a school over there. They started with 17 kids. They now have almost 500 kids in their school there. And so Kyle and I went there to see it, make sure it wasn't just like a fake internet thing. You know, it really is there. And it was a lot of kids. And praise God, we actually had a big meeting just yesterday with about 15, 20 people to see about sending a team from Sound City this fall to go and continue to help uh, serve and support in Uganda. So this little funky group of us here in Linwood High School on a Sunday is having opportunities to share Jesus' love literally around the world. Isn't that amazing? We also uh, doubled down on some efforts in foster care. Uh, you guys, again, it's hard to share some of these things with, without being maybe disrespectful to the people, but there were two different events that we provided lunch for as a church. The first was a training event where social workers and foster parents who often fight came together, the, and the tr- training was called Doing Better Together. And you guys, again, through your contributions, helped provide just a simple lunch. And I got to stand up and say, hi, my name's Aaron. I'm a pastor at Sound City Bible Church. I'm a foster parent. We love the work you guys are doing. So here, have some lunch while you guys do your training. We also provided a nice lunch, a catered lunch for the Linwood uh, DSHS office. And I got to stand up and I got to say, hi, my name's Aaron. I'm a pastor. I'm a foster parent. We love you and the work that you're doing. And I asked, I said, can I pray for the lunch? And the guy goes, no, government office, you can't. Like, I should have just done it and asked for forgiveness, not permission. But oh, well, I'm getting more responsible in my older age. But we got to just share Jesus' love with them. We did some generosity campaigns. You generosity piranhas gave almost $6,000 through our bottle drive for the Pregnancy Resource Center in Everett for moms who are pregnant and expecting and feel like they don't have any other choice or other option other than abortion. You guys were able to provide nearly $6,000 to provide resources and practical help and support for these moms. We did our our gift card drive uh, over Advent. You guys gave over $3,400 and nearly $4,000 for the Linwood DSHS office and the Vision House, respectively. I am so proud of you. Can I say that without sounding patronizing in any way? It is unbelievable to to put those uh, opportunities out and to see the way you all have responded. So thank you for that. We we did more. Uh, We did a Ramadan and the Gospel uh, event to try to help us understand how to better serve and care for and love our Muslim neighbors and friends, not approaching from fear or suspicion or hostility, but with Christ's love. Uh, We did a training event called Avoiding the Awkward When Sharing Your Faith because, quite frankly, some of you needed that class. And uh, no, I'm just kidding, sort of. But uh, the guy, David Martin, who preached for us, he led that to help us learn how to talk about the gospel without it being weird as some people are prone to do. Uh, We invited people to a Mariners game. We did beach baptisms. Nothing says evangelism and outreach. Like, hey, I'm committing my life to Jesus by getting baptized in the freezing waters of the Puget Sound. And when people let out those yelps, you know, it was heard for miles around. Uh, We did a gospel conversations with kids event to help us learn how to share the gospel with kids. Some church life things too. And I'll, I'll wrap this portion up with this. 
In March, we, we, we said goodbye to Travis Tuttle, who was served as one of our elders and, and, and pastor and on staff. We got a picture of our, our last elder meeting together with him. And I bring that up. That's not a praise report, okay? Uh, we got rid of Travis finally. No, it's... Uh, the reason why I bring it up as a, as a praise report is he had an incredible formative influence as one of the founding elders of the church and as a significant leader and contributor. And some of you know this firsthand, leadership transitions don't always go well. And God was incredibly gracious to let us love Travis and for him to love us and for us to walk through that. God provided us uh, Myung to step in on staff to begin leading the community groups ministry. And so God was incredibly gracious to us through a very significant uh, staff and leadership transition. We did a Christ in the Passover event uh, with our uh, a Messianic Jewish friend named Tom who showed us that Jesus is present in the Passover. We did the Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday services with over a thousand people over the course of the whole weekend. We did a gospel parenting seminar with our friends at Foundation Church up in April. We, did, uh, we launched the Connect Group, which has been going strong. The new round of it starts today if you're not connected. 46 unique individuals came through, like really unique special people, snowflakes, each of them. I'm just kidding. But they, they came through 35 of whom got placed in groups and actually two new community groups launched out as a result of that. And then we did uh, 25 people became covenant members this last year. We dedicated 14 babies this last year. We baptized 12 people and we installed nine new deacons, bringing our total to uh, nine. And we're so thankful for all of God's grace. Like, can we just give God praise for all of that? That's a lot. That's a lot. Now, I do not share any of that to, uh, to, to try to make Sound City Bible Church look good. You need to hear me and believe me when I say our mission is to glorify God. And the actions and the activities and the things that we've been doing have been in an effort to serve you, to reach people with the good news of Jesus. And I believe God has more for us in 2018. And so it's with that heart that I want to invite you to open your Bibles to Colossians chapter 1. And I'm going to spend a few minutes sharing with you one of the key themes and the key ideas that God has for us, we believe, as elders in 2018. I'm going to invite Ashley to come, and she is going to read our scripture from I'm Colossians 1, so let's turn our hearts and our attention to the reading of God's word now. This is God's word from Colossians chapter 1, beginning in verse 3. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed... In the whole world, it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you, since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth, just as you learned it from Epiphas, our beloved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love of the Spirit. And so from that day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Amen. God, we want to give you thanks and praise for anything and everything good that we enjoy, not only as individuals, but as a church family. We want to praise you for many good things to celebrate from 2017. And God, we want to pray along with the Apostle Paul here. God, we want to pray for more. Uh, we believe that you have more for us as a church. We believe that you have more for us as individual disciples. God, that you are calling us to bear even more fruit for your kingdom. And God, I pray that none of it would be for our glory, 
or for our fame, whether that's the name of Sound City Bible Church or any individual here, but God, we want all of the glory and all of the attention to go to Jesus Christ. God, I pray that you would stir in our hearts and inspire our hearts now as we look to this next year and what you're calling us to. And for myself, I ask that you would help me to speak only your truth and that's in line with your word. And we ask for your spirit to move mightily in our, pre- in our time together and make your presence known here. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You know, as we did this Advent with Friends series, one of the things that it enabled me to do is I prepared one sermon for the Advent season and I went around and I preached it at different churches. And so what that did is it gave me almost a whole month to prepare this sermon today. So if I do poorly, I apologize. I really tried my best. But what it really sincerely did is it gave me more time during the week to talk with the elders and to talk with the staff and to talk with our members and to pray and to ask the Lord, where are you leading us in 2018? And the one phrase that just kept coming back time and time again, over and over again, is in a word, fruitful. Being a fruitful church. As I just rehearsed to you all of the things that we did in 2017, that was a lot of things. Amen? And I felt the the, the Spirit of God stirring in my heart, tugging on my heart, saying, yes, but I want you to think not just about being busy, not just about being active, but about being fruitful. And God led me to this passage in Colossians, which twice talks about things bearing fruit, about bearing fruit for the kingdom. And so I have a very simple, big idea that I want to communicate to you today. And I want to walk through a few elements of what it means to be fruitful. But the big idea is this, because of the power of the gospel, we are called to bear much fruit in our lives, in our groups, and in our church. It is not our great power that is going to produce fruit. Amen? It is the power of God. It is the power of the gospel. In fact, we can see that in verse 6 as we talk about how important it is to bear fruit. Verse 6, it says this. It says, In the whole world, it, or the gospel, is bearing fruit and increasing. When the Apostle Paul wrote these words, Jesus had been crucified, resurrected, and ascended into heaven for only a few decades. We now stand a few millennia past the time that this was written. But in Paul's lifetime, he saw that the gospel was spreading and bearing fruit. How many of you know that those words were not only true 1900 some odd years ago when Paul wrote them, but those words are still true today, that the gospel is spreading, that the gospel is bearing fruit throughout the world. People are meeting Jesus in the Puget Sound region. And I don't know if you know this, but that's about as ends of the earth as you're going to get from Jerusalem. When Jesus said those words that the gospel is going to go forth from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria and to the ends of the earth, well, we're kind of it. But even through sending people to Mexico and Armenia and Uganda and hearing reports of churches being planted in the United States of America, the gospel is bearing fruit. People are meeting Jesus. It's still happening all these years later. In fact, you may have uh, heard on the news this week that there are protests happening in the nation of Iran. And you guys know what I'm talking about? There's there's widespread protests, bigger than anything that they've seen in, 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 in previous years. But one of the unknown elements of that story is there are more people meeting Jesus in the closed off to the gospel nation of Iran than maybe at any point in human history. There are missionaries and there are underground missionaries who are telling us that what Jesus is doing there is nothing short of miraculous. Do you guys know that this is happening around the world? See, the gospel has to bear fruit. The gospel, what it does is it bears fruit. In Romans 1.16, the apostle Paul says that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. See, the gospel most simply put is that God created everything to reflect his goodness and his love and his glory and his power. And he created mankind with a special job to play, a special role to play in displaying God's glory and caring for his creation. 
But our first parents, Adam and Eve, rebelled and said, no, God, we want to live life on our own terms. And because of that, all of humanity and all of the world has been plunged into devastation and brokenness and darkness. But God was not satisfied to leave us in that state. And he sent his son, Jesus, born of the Virgin Mary to be our rescuer, to be our redeemer. That's what this whole Christmas season was about that we just finished celebrating. And that Jesus came, he lived a perfect life that none of us have lived. He died a death, a criminal's death in our place for our sins. And he rose again to offer us redemption and salvation because of his death and because of his resurrection. This is good news, friends, is it not? The gospel will bear fruit because it is God's very power. And I'll take it one step further. Bearing fruit is what the gospel does. Bearing fruit is what Christians do. If you are a Christian, if you are connected to God through this powerful gospel, then bearing fruit is what you will do. Jesus said this in John chapter 15. My, by this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. How are you going to know somebody is a disciple of Jesus? How are you going to know that somebody is saved? Their life is going to give evidence of it. They're going to bear fruit. Good things are going to happen. In fact, let me take it even one step further. We only will bear fruit by being connected to Jesus. Bearing fruit is not something that you can do by getting alone, getting in touch with your inner self, your true self, uh, uh, hunkering down, you know, having a really organized calendar and making sure that you're not wasting any time or effort or energy and doggone it, I'm just gonna uh, try really hard and grow fruit. It doesn't work that way. You will only, I was, I, I have a stars in my eyes right now from doing that. I need to not do that. You cannot bear fruit apart from connection to Jesus. Jesus said in John 15, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, abiding, relating, spending time together, it's he that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. How many things? No things. You may do, you can really produce nothing that is of eternal value and significance. And let me say this. If there's anyone here today who, who's not a believer in Jesus, you're not a follower of Jesus, you may look at your life and point to your life and say, I do many good deeds. And while I can say I'm thankful that you do good deeds, I can also tell you that the scriptures say that those good deeds are at very best a dead piece of fruit that is not connected to the vine. It will only last a little bit of time. And what Jesus is inviting you to is to be connected to the true source of life, the true source of power, so that your good deeds would not only flow from the goodness of God himself, but it would be lasting fruit. It would be everlasting fruit. It would be of eternal value and eternal significance. Now here's the deal. Bearing fruit is incredibly important, and you might be right there with me. Yes, Pastor Aaron, well, yeah, bearing fruit's important, but others of you might be saying, what are we even talking about? What does it mean to bear fruit? Like, you, literally, am I supposed to plant a tree to save the world? What, is, what are we talking about? Okay, when the Bible talks about bearing fruit, we need to define it. You can see this in verse 10, where, he, where Paul says, we're to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, Bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So bearing fruit, according to the Bible, according to Jesus and the other authors of the scripture, has a specific meaning. And it's twofold. There's a tension here. On the one hand, it is focused on results. Did you see what it says? Bearing fruit in every good, what's the word, Sound City? Work. That there is work to be done. There are results to be had. That there are efforts to be outlaid. And that there should be something that you can point to and say, yeah, here's a result. I was doing a word study just on fruitfulness and, and bearing fruit. And I came across this parable in Luke chapter 13, the parable of the barren fig tree. And I'm reading this parable and Jesus is telling this story. And he says, you know, a master who owned a vineyard went to the, went to the, the, the vineyard and, and there's a tree there and it's this fig tree and it had no fruit on it. And the master said to the gardener, says, what's up with this fig tree? It has no fruit on it. I keep coming back and I keep checking it for three years. I want you to cut it down and burn it 
plant. And the master goes, no, 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 give me one more year. I'm going to do some uh, digging around the roots and put some fertilizer down. And then we'll see if it'll, it'll bear fruit. And I had this moment of panic. I'm like, Lord, we've been a church for three years. Are we bearing fruit? Are you going to cut us down? And God was like, calm down, Aaron. I'm like, okay. I, this moment of panic. But, <laughs> but the point still stands, despite my hysterical reaction to that passage, is God desires a return on his investment. He makes no bones about it. Read through all of the gospels. Jesus speaks time and time again that he desires that we would bear fruit. But the thing is, you can't just say fruit is only results because God makes it really clear that fruit is also related to our character and not just what we do, but how we go about it. You even think about in Galatians 5, the famous verse on the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That God doesn't want us to just produce results. He wants us to produce results in a way that reflects what God is like. God is loving. God is peaceful. God is patient. God is joyful. We could, we could plant a hundred churches But if we don't plant a hundred churches that are full of the love and the joy and the peace and the patience of God, then we have not truly produced fruit as God defines it. Amen? So there's a tension there. Some of you, man, some of you are workers and you're all about just results. I'm going to get it done. I'm going to do it now. Okay. Are you going about it the way that God says? Some of you are just, man, you're all about the process and just checking my heart and checking my motive. And you never actually do anything. We need each other. We need to grow, we need to challenge each other, and we need to help each other. So defining fruit biblically is this. It's God's desired results with God's hearts, motives, and method. Okay? God's desired results with his heart, his motives, and his methods. Now, as we talk about bearing fruit, we start to ask the question, okay, what is this fruit going to look like? And you may have noticed as, as, as Ashley was doing our scripture reading today, you may have noticed that the Apostle Paul is just kind of piling phrase upon phrase upon phrase, all these different words. And it's almost like, it's almost like he's just describing this really big picture of a, of a big fruitful tree. And I was, as I was prepping, I was getting a little overwhelmed trying to categorize it and think through all of it. And then I believe that God brought to mind a, a sermon, a teaching that I heard when I was young, like maybe uh, 10 or 11 years old. There's a pastor uh, who he's since uh, gone to be with the Lord. His name is John Wimber. And he was the founder of the Vineyard Church movement, if you're familiar with Vineyard Churches. And he did a teaching that actually stuck with me from when I was a kid. It's just proof and hope that me as a preacher, maybe one of my sermons will stick with you at some point here. But this one sermon stuck with me and he described this idea that the church has kind of these four primary expressions, uh, four branches of the tree, if you will, this fruitful tree. And as I it clicked in my mind and I started seeing it in this passage, I'll, I'm borrowing his language, but I think we can see it right here in the scripture. These, these four fruitful branches, the first one is that of a family. The the church is supposed to have an expression, a branch, if you will, that is a family. It says in verse four, you know, he talks about the love that you have for all the saints. Some of you are like, does does that mean all? Because there's some saints I'm really struggling to love right now. Yeah, all the saints. That the church, because of what Jesus did, he died and he rose again, that we could be adopted into God's family, included at the table as as orphans who are then adopted in and, and given the riches of heaven. A healthy church, a fruitful church, should look like, at some level, should look like a family. This pastor, John Wimber, says the church should look like a hospital. And you see this in, the, in, in verse 11, talks about being strengthened with all power. The idea is the world is a rough place, amen? Uh, we all get beat up. And it's not just when we first get saved, but as we walk and as we follow Jesus, sometimes we just need a little love, a little care, a little strengthening, a little healing. A healthy church, a fruitful church, should at times look like a hospital. There should be a, a hospital branch, if you will. The church, a healthy and fruitful church, should have an expression of a school. He, Paul says here in, in Colossians 1, growing in the knowledge of God. Jesus said, you're going you're gonna to be my disciples. Jesus said, you know that passage where Jesus says, take my yoke upon you for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Do you know what it really says? Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. That we're disciples. He's our rabbi, a teacher. So that's what that means. And that the, the church should have an expression of school. And then lastly, again, to use uh, John Wimber's words, the, the church should have an expression of an army. 
that we're called into a battle. He talks about being rescued from the domain of darkness, that whether you realize it or not, you're in a war. If you're a Christian, you are in a spiritual war. In fact, if you're not a Christian, you're in a spiritual war. There is no spiritual Switzerland. You don't get to claim neutrality. We are either uh, engaged in the battle with God on his side, or we are standing in opposition and defiance and rebellion to him. And that a healthy church, a fruitful church, should have expressions of this mission and this being sent and this going to take all of these good things about the family, the hospital, the school, to actually go and share that with a lost and dying and hurting world. Now, as I looked over that, and I looked over these verses, and I thought about Sound City, I thought, oh, you know, the family thing, man, we really focused hard on that that first year, did we not? Uh, again, coming out of the, the struggles that we came out of, it was, it was time to reset everything around relationship and community and, and being a family. And I would say, by God's grace, there's a lot of good fruit on the, on the family branch. We even saw that in our church health survey. We, you know, things like community groups and the connect group and membership, having, having a strong membership and even just individual relationships that aren't part of like the, the formal processes that we do as a church. That's an area of health and the area of strength for us. As we look through the hospital element, the, the hospital branch, you know, we, we have things like identity groups and we have uh, things like, uh, you know, the church health team and pastoral counseling and even a friend like Counselor Chris, who I mentioned a little while ago, I think there's been some investment in church health and, and by God's grace, we all need time in the hospital, you know, here and there. And I would say there's some good fruit on that branch. We want more, amen? But there's some good fruit on that branch. The school, you know, I would say our Sunday services, I mean, you got, I see a, there's a lot of notes and clicking of pens and like, you guys like to learn, do you not? And uh, I'm proud of you for that. I just unbuttoned my shirt on accident by doing that, but I'll fix that. Okay, sorry, wardrobe malfunction here. We, we have elements of school in place where we have Bible studies happening and there's the, the Right Now Media online library of resources and I hear of men's studies and, and women's Bible studies and some of you go to BSF or, or Navigators or different things. There's good fruit on that tree. I think we need more fruit on that tree to be frank and to be honest with you that, that God wants us to grow in that area. And then as I look at that fourth branch, the area of the army, I would say, and we as the elders would say, that is the area where our church needs the most growth. And if we're to pursue fruitfulness in, in, in any one area in a focused manner, it's that branch that needs some help. Do you think, do you think that's fair? Here, here's, here's a couple of things. Number one, we, we did some international missions. That's some army. That's some going. But do you know how many people got to participate in those? About 20. Do you know how many people, people we have in the church? More than 20, okay? And, and that's a limited number. Many people, many families involved in foster care and, and, and support, that's been a good going. But again, probably about another 20 people have involved in that. These are kind of smaller, narrower windows of, of ministry opportunity. We don't, as of yet, as a church, have a more broad, easy-to-engage aspect of army. And so we need to prayerfully ask God to show us what that's going to look like. I would love to stand before you and say, so here's our four big ministry initiatives we're going to do. I don't, we don't have that yet. We need you. We need you particularly who are gifted. You look at that and you think, oh yeah, I really, I'm a family branch sort of person. I'm a school person. There's some of you who are the, the army sort of people. We need you to hit your knees, to pray, to invest, and to offer ideas. But let me just say this too. When we did our church health survey, 95% of you said it's really important individually to share the gospel with neighbors and friends. And there was a much smaller percentage that said you actually did. So it's not just that we need to grow in this corporately as a church. We need to grow as, this, as individuals. Can I, can I get a, even an ouchy you know, amen from any of you here today? We, we need to grow in this. And I believe and we believe as the elders that this is the specific area of fruitfulness. We want more fruit on all these branches. Amen. But this is the one branch that is, is really lagging behind. And it's in our fourth year, the fourth branch, the whatever you want to call it. But this is the area that God is, is really stirring in my heart, in our hearts, to begin to take steps forward. I'm going to come back to this in a minute here because I want to briefly share with you a couple of enemies of fruitfulness. I want to be fruitful. Anybody want to be fruitful for the kingdom? It's important. It's good. I see what it looks like. Oh, but then these enemies show up. And you know the first enemy of fruitfulness? Just busyness. Here's the problem with busyness. Busyness looks like fruitfulness, but it's not actually fruitful. You're running around, you're doing something, I'm just moving a lot. I'm not just like sitting around, you know, 
playing Candy Crush or whatever. Like, I'm doing stuff. But is it fruitful? I remember uh, in college during the summers, uh, I worked, well, I shouldn't say summers, summer. One summer, I worked construction. Uh, I worked, not even in the summer, that's stretching it too much. It was about two weeks. I worked construction. I shot myself in the hand with a nail gun and had to retire from my construction career. And I, but I remember like, at least I was doing something. There was this other guy on the job site who would just walk around all day and would be asking for tools or would be carrying boards. At the end of the day, I look like, what did he build? What did he actually do? Like I built a really terrible like door frame that cost me the use of my thumb for a few weeks, but like I did something. This guy just wandered. You guys know what I'm talking about? You know that guy or that gal at your work or you know that in yourself sometimes? It's like, I'm really busy, but am I actually producing anything that's fruitful? I would say this is a, a, a I'm gonna be careful how I say this. I, I, I'm concerned that we as Sound City Bible Church, if you look over what we did this last year, if we're not careful, we could be a really busy church and not necessarily a fruitful church, okay? And I'm not saying that to denigrate anything good because God did some really great things and I'm really glad we tried some things. I'm really glad that we did. But this is the, this is the time where I think God's calling us to hone it in and to focus it in and to learn what's right for us and, and, and what he's calling us to do, not just to be busy doing things, but busy doing the right things. To use another kind of New Year's analogy, it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that you're going to the gym and you're, and you're doing it, but are you getting the results that, that you need to, to, to lose weight or to gain strength or whatever it is that you're doing? We're, we're like the, we're like the, we're like the you know, kid that got given the, the garden in the corner. It's like, I'm just going to throw a bunch of seeds in. Okay, that's good, but you need to kind of work through what kind of garden is, is God asking us to grow? Second enemy of fruitfulness, simply consumerism. When I say consumerism, what I mean is, I mean, consuming, taking, using. And, and hear me on this. You, you need to understand this. You need to consume. You need to be fed. You need to attend a worship service. You need to let somebody else serve you. I'm not saying it's a bad thing to consume. What I, what I do think is a bad thing is if you only consume and never contribute. There, that you're not made for that as a human being, and that's the enemy of fruitfulness. Think about it. The branch can't sustain if all we ever do is take and we never contribute. We never help. We never jump in and serve. This consumerism is tied to serving and helping. And I need you to hear me clearly on this. Some of you are already serving and you're helping a ton, and you have a guilty conscience, and the enemy wants to come in and say, See, there he goes. You're not doing enough. Okay, just tell the enemy to go take a hike right now, okay? We're thankful for you. There are so many people serving and helping and contributing in meaningful ways. Others of you, maybe you're contributing, but there's a more meaningful way that God's really wanting to challenge you to serve and to contribute in. Some of you, just to put it bluntly, you're not contributing in any meaningful way at all to the life of the church and the health of the body. And I'm challenging you to repent of that, of only consuming. And friends, here's the deal. We live in a society that is built on consumerism. Like we, we've, every news report at the end of the year and everything's about, you know, the, the gross domestic product and how many jobs are created. I mean, it's all about how much did people spend and buy and use and consume. Like that's what we as a culture have said is like one of our highest values. We as Christians are called to be countercultural. We're called to give. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Amen? It also has to do with finances, it has to do with talking about money and our wallets. And I have said over the last few weeks, I am not particularly good at talking about money in the context of the, the church because frankly, and I'm, I'm not trying to say this to sound like extra spiritual or something, I just don't care. I don't really care about money all that much. And you guys are overall a very generous bunch. But can I share with you one challenge that we've seen recently? As you know, the economy in the Puget Sound area is booming right? Amazon's moving something like 4 million people a day, whatever the newspaper said, right? Into the Seattle area. Uh, that's a bit of an exaggeration, but it's a lot, okay? <laughs> You've seen the, the buildings just going up. There's more towers per capita, more uh, cranes, I should say, per capita uh, in the city of Seattle. I mean, it's just, it's, 
going gangbusters, but it's also created some challenging economic conditions in which many families have had to move away and have had to leave because they can no longer afford to live here. We sat down a little over a month ago as an elder team, and we just wrote down names of people that we knew that had to leave the church because they moved away specifically for the reason of economic hardship or economic opportunity. People have moved to Arizona, people have moved to uh, Alabama, people have moved to Tennessee, people have moved to to Tacoma, people have moved, um, you know, all over the place. I love Tacoma. Uh, All over the place and have left the church. And actually, one of the things that we saw too is in many cases, it was some of our most uh, dedicated, faithful founding members, which means that for the first time in our three years, we've seen a little bit of a dip in our giving. I mean, I'm happy to praise praise God. It's, It's a very minor. We are about... Overall, for our entire fiscal year thus far, which started in July, we're about $8,000 behind giving. But let me just say this. Some of you have been coming and and maybe not really contributing financially. Your your wallet has yet to kind of follow your heart and say, yeah, this is my church home and I I value the ministry that's happening here. I value the output that's happening. Some of you are giving, but it's maybe it's just kind of busy giving and not fruitful giving. And God's calling you to learn what it means to really invest your finances in a way that combats consumerism. Can you hear that with with a pastoral heart of love? Not a heart of like shaming or, or any finger wagging, but an invitation to say there's more that I think God wants to do in and through Sound City Bible Church. And one of the things he's given us a ton of, besides kids, is, <laughs> is money. And we want to invest those resources in a way that is fruitful for the kingdom of God. Amen? And the last way that I think that we, we kill fruitfulness is isolation. Isolation. That's kind of an odd one. Well, here's the thing. All of these areas of fruitfulness that Christ calls us to, they're always done in the context of relationship. If we're called to share the gospel with someone, to see them get saved, you can't share the gospel with someone if there's not another human being there, right? Like, you can't preach to your your squirrels in your neighborhood. I mean, you can, but that's weird. You're called to share the gospel with people. You're going to grow in the fruit of the Spirit. Patience, joy, peace, kindness. How are you going to do those without other people? Oh, I'm a very patient person. Yeah, because you avoid everybody, right? Try being in relationship with some people. You'll get your patience stretched a lot more. For some of you, your your life is not fruitful because you're more by yourself. And God's calling you into greater relationship, both with other Christians. Maybe maybe it's joining a community group or getting involved in the connect group or, or making that intentional step of commitment as a member and saying, yeah, this is my church family. I want to commit. I want to sign on the dotted lines and I'm here. I'm here for you. You're here for me. Let's do this. For others of you, it's investment in, in local relationship, like right there in your neighborhood. You know what? One of the things that struck me about isolation, how much time do we spend isolated by ourselves in our car? And I know commuterism, like I, it's a necessary evil for many of you commuting into the city for work. But let me just ask you, are there times where you spend a half an hour in your car alone just because of a choice that you wanted to go to some specific place and you're isolated by yourself not investing in relationships that are right there in your backyard. Again, I'm not trying to, to you know, I, I know it's a necessary evil and sometimes I like to drive down into Seattle to get my favorite Thai food from there or whatever. That's consumeristic, I know. I just confess it to you all. But are there times where God's got somebody just right there in your neighborhood, your school, the, the coffee shop in your, in your area, your neighbor, your, your, whatever it might be, your workplace, and you could have those investments in relationship and not be in isolation in your car by yourself. Just think about it. Pray about it. Now, let me do this. Let me close with this. I haven't quite gone long yet, but I'm bordering on it. So let me do my best to wrap this up. I love you guys so much. I, I really missed you in December. I could preach for like three hours right now, but I'm not going to, Okay. I want, to clo- I want to close us with a call to engage in this, this, this branch, this fruitful branch of the army. And like I said a minute ago, we don't yet know as elders what that corporate expression is going to be. We're going to pray about it. We're going to seek the Lord. We need your help on that. We are asking for your help, your prayers, your ideas, your investment. The, the corporate is kind of yet to come. But here's what I do know. As individuals, would you please raise your hand if you know a person who is not a follower of Jesus who needs to experience his love in the gospel. Raise your hand. Okay, all right. You did it. <laughs> Guess what? We're called to go share the gospel. We're called to engage in mission. We don't need to wait for some ministry initiative or some grand five-point plan. What if we went and actually just talked to our neighbors, 
talked to our friends, our family members in meaningful ways. So let me, let me just share with you a, a practical thing that we're going to do um, to engage in this, this branch of the army, to engage in fruitfulness in this area. Number one, I want to I invite you to set a goal. And I want to invite you to set a goal of how many people you want to share the gospel with or have a conversation with about Jesus. I don't want you to set a goal of how many people you're going to get saved this year. Do you know why? Do you know why? Because you're not God and you can't save them. That's not your job. That's his job. You know what your job is? To tell them about Jesus, to love them, to to befriend them, to, to spend time in meaningful relationship. So set a goal. I want you to write it down. There's something about committing pen to paper. Some of you, you're very naturally evangelistic. You had... 25 gospel conversations. Write down a goal that's both ambitious and yet reasonable. Maybe God wants you to do 35 this year. Some of you, listen, no shame. Seriously, hear me on this. Some of you, your, your number was zero. In 2017, you had a grand total of zero meaningful gospel conversations with a non-Christian. Well, I have good news for you. You can do infinitely better in 2018 by having one. Write down something that's going to stretch you, that's going to push you. Also, and I say reasonable, don't be that guy who's like, I haven't worked out in eight years. I'm going to go to the gym and run 10 miles. Like, set a goal that's going to be reasonable, right? Maybe you haven't shared the gospel with anybody ever. Okay, maybe God wants you to try three times this year, five times this year, whatever it would be. Write it down, share it with somebody else who can hold you accountable, who you can be in relationship with, and then lastly, pray regularly about it. And actually, we uh, put together a little resource to help you with this. Can I get some four, like maybe four volunteers who are speedy? Arthur, would you mind helping? You got long legs. You can go up the stairs, right? Delaney? All right, you're going to help? You're not gonna, okay, I'm trusting one of my children with this. Who else? We got these cool little cards here. Take a stack of these. You take this wing. Delaney, you take this wing. Can I get, all right, Michael, you're going to come? I know I can count you. Tom, you gonna help? why don't you do this group over here? All right, this is a simple card that I frantically texted uh, Hector on Thursday. I'm like, hey, can we make cards for this weekend? And thank God we have graphic designers and people in our church who can do these things. This is a simple card, and what it says on it is, a goal, a number of gospel conversations that you hope to have in 2018. And then underneath it, it has names of people that you're praying for. Here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to take this, maybe even today or tomorrow, write some numbers down on this, write some names down on this, write a number down and some names. And then I want you to put it in your wallet, put it in your car, put it in your purse, somewhere that you're going to regularly come back to so that we can hold ourselves and hold each other accountable to say, no, Jesus, you have more fruit for us as individuals, to share the good news with people in our lives. If you lose it or if you want an extra one for somebody who's not here to share with your community groups, we'll have more out at the Connect desk. And we're going to come back to this regularly throughout the year. How are we doing? Okay, I set a goal of having three gospel conversations, meaningful conversations with somebody about Jesus this year. How are we doing? Are we, are we, are we walking that out? Are we living that out? And then who am I praying for? So we've got extras of these. We've got a lot of extras of these. If you, if you need more, come get Thank you guys for jumping and helping out with that. Sound City, let me ask you this. Do you desire to see more fruit in our church and in your life as a disciple? Do you want that? Do you, think, do you see that it's important? Do you see that it's what we're called to? And actually, let me ask you, are you hopeful that God has fruit that he wants to grow in us and through us this year? Are you hopeful for that? I am. I'm more excited. I honestly could not be more excited to be here with you guys, this this group of people. One of the other things that happened as I traveled around and visited some other churches is I got homesick. I wanted to be with you guys. Not that I think that we're the perfect church or the best church. Honestly, we're probably not. But I know, right? (laughs) Sorry, I just, surprise. You know, it's, it's the, it's the, the, you know, the, Sometimes when you are closer with people, you see the faults and you see the flaws more clearly. But I'm more convinced, and I I pray and I hope that you're more convinced than ever, that God has good for us. He's got a mission for us. I'll, I'll say this. This is the last thing I'll say. God has called us to an incredibly challenging mission field. Honestly, it would be easier to all of us uproot and move to different parts of the world, different parts of the country. Our mission field is really hard packed soil. So we're trying to plant seeds and we're trying to see fruit grown. Most people in our area, because of the economic prosperity, they say things like, like, like the church in Laodicea in Revelation 3. They say, I'm rich, I've prospered, and I need nothing. Hey, that's nice that you want to tell me about Jesus. I don't, I don't know. I don't really need Jesus. I'm good. I got a 401k. I got a couple cars. I'm, I'm doing all right. 
God has called us to a challenging mission field. It's hard packed soil. You scatter the seed, it just kind of bounces and sits there. So we need to pray that God would go before us and he would prepare the hearts of those that we're to come into contact with to share the good news. You guys, the really, the, 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 the reassuring thing about this, it's not up to us. The results are in his hands. Our job is to abide in Christ, to remain connected to him and to be faithful in what he asks us to do. And in so doing, I am hopeful that we're gonna see some incredible fruit in 2018. Amen? Would you pray with me, God? We ask that you would help us to repent if there's areas of just busyness or consumerism or isolation in our lives. We want to repent of those things. We want to trust in you. We want to be bold and be brave to even ask God, would you do something great in our lives as individuals and in our church collectively that that would give you much glory? We don't want the attention to be on us. We want the attention to go to you. And so I ask now as we enter into this time of worship and response that you would stir our hearts where are we called to invest? Which, which branch of the tree are we most naturally gifted in serving? And, and for all of us, how have you called us to be on mission and in the army? We pray all of this in Jesus' good name and for his glory. Amen. Amen. I'm going to invite uh, our younger students class in to join us. I'm going to invite our musicians to come. I'm going to invite our financial stewards to collect the offering. As they collect the offering, um, let me just say this. I, I usually go over some discussion questions and things. I'll say a few things. Forgiving, this is always, always, always done as an act of worship. Second Corinthians 9 says you have to give with a heart of joy, not reluctantly under compulsion. If you're a guest or a visitor, there is no arm twisting here, but there's an invitation to give and to contribute as Jesus would lead you. I also will say things like the app and other things like that are ways that we're trying to make it easier for you to give, but let me just tease up one of the announcements. Some of you are looking at your finances and you're thinking, I I need to learn how to do better with my finances. We have a class coming up called Financial Peace University. And and this is going to launch here at the beginning of February. And it's simply an effort to help you understand what would it look like to be able to have my finances in such a way that I could tithe. I could give a tenth of what God's given me to the church. I could be generous to other groups and people above and beyond. Uh, Some of you just need that support and that help. That's one area that that we're excited to announce. I'll I'll let you know more about that in just a little bit here. We want to be fruitful in our giving. We want to be fruitful in our spending. And so thank you so much for those of you who responded kind of to that year-end giving push that we talked about for us to be able to finish the calendar year in a, in a, in a really good way. Just right, just a little bit behind where we were hoping and praying to be. And so I want to just encourage you in that direction as well. We're going to celebrate the Lord's table. And in just a moment, they're going to begin handing out the elements for communion. We're going to hold on to these. We're going to, we're going to celebrate the Lord's table, uh, celebrating his broken body and his shed blood. Let me read from 1 Corinthians 11 to direct our hearts in this act of worship and the receiving of his grace now. The Bible says that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. This is the gospel, friends. This is the good news of Jesus. His body was broken for us that we might receive new life. This cup, Jesus says, is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Friends, this is the source of any of our fruitfulness. If we're not abiding in Jesus, if we're not connected to Jesus, we will not be able to be fruitful. Amen? So receive of his grace deeply. Says there is uh, an opportunity to reflect. Whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. So let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. We're going to hold for just a moment here before we sing, but we're going to do so to say, God, is there somewhere in my life where I've not been producing fruit that you want me to produce? And we're going to repent of that and we're going to entrust that God has more than enough grace for each of us here today. And then we're going to stand to our feet and we're going to sing and we're going to celebrate and we're going to rejoice. And so I invite you, would you pray with me one more time and then you can celebrate communion and, and stand to your feet and sing. God, we are so thankful for your faithfulness to us. As we look over these last three years as a church, you have been unbelievably good to us. And I pray, God, that what we are looking forward to would be much better than anything we've experienced yet. That you're a God of, of, of 
of just of hope and of joy and of peace. And you're a God who has fruitfulness for us to experience things that we maybe couldn't have even asked or, or dreamt of or imagined. And so God, I pray now as we uh, eat of the bread and as we drink of the cup, we would abide deeply in you. We would remain connected to you. And that as we respond to you in singing and in giving and in worship, we would do so with just a lot of joy and a lot of hope that you have amazing things for us in this next year. We give you praise, Jesus. This is all for you. This is all for your glory. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Friends, you can celebrate uh, the bread and the cup and then stand to your feet and we're gonna sing together in just a moment here.